This podcast is sponsored by PICC, Florida's leading public adjusters for 22 years of handling residential commercial claims in Florida. Dealing with an insurance company when having a property loss can be discouraging. Let PICC encourage you and maximize your compensation. Please call us at 305-956-3666. Okay, good morning. Today's class is the Nishma Yerfandir Megadayus Yamanema. For Shalema of Rachaban Leah and her Shalom Ben Yamina and her Daniel Ben Sarah and Simcha Nassim Ben Sissel. Success in Yerat Shemayim, Baba Lisheva Ben Avaga, Diel Ben Lisheva, Emre Lisheva, Lisheva Ben Lisheva, Reina Makotov Rasha, and success of Yekutel Yehuda, Mordechai, Ben Gitel Rivka. Uh, we have a couple events that, God willing, uh, we're going to probably end up going to New York in December. One um, possibly December 3rd with Rabbi Kramer, um, an event there. So we'll, we'll announce it when it comes. God willing. All right, today's class is going to be, we, we spoke about the class on trauma, I believe, on Friday or Thursday. So we're going to really, really continue on. Really, anytime you're dealing with the word trauma, you're dealing with emuna. Um, that's really, it's all about, you know, emuna allows you to think greater than you feel. Allow, emuna allows you to think, you know, greater than the current circumstances. The moon is a place we go to. So anytime when there's trauma, the, the, the Jewish word for it is emuna. That's funny how they actually rhyme. Trauma and emuna actually rhyme. Again, not, I'm not here to obviously, here to simplify things in life. And when you're dealing with trauma, you're dealing with the past. Anytime we're dealing with the past, you have to apply faith. You have to apply emuna, give it meaning, like Viktor Frankl says many times, it's not the circumstances that make us suffer, it's the lack of meaning in the circumstances that make us suffer. And our job in life, believe it or not, is to find meaning in everything. We do, it, we do that by being connected spiritually, by being connected to the Torah, that gives us the wisdom. And when you have wisdom, you can give things meaning. Because otherwise, the same event will continue to, every event has, a, has, a, has, a, has an emotion afterwards. You have a breakup, you have a divorce, you have a death of a loved one. There's either grief, sadness, anger. There's always an emotion that you get left with after a, a, some, a, a, a trauma event, capital T event, etc. A bad childhood, you know, a bad childhood, you feel, you know, you feel resentful, you feel, uh, you know, where's God? You feel abandoned, you feel hopeless. Whatever it is, is remember, every event, there's always an emotion after that event, and that event will continue to replay in our lives over and over. And the, what we have to do is we have to give a meaning through wisdom. And when you find meaning, you no longer replay that event over and over because that event now becomes wisdom, becomes part of you. So that's really the, 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 the goal. The tachlis of everything is to bring everything back to, 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 now to deal with the future. That's where you have to have trust. Because otherwise we, we just, you know, we, 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 we have fear of things that could happen, would happen. I think studies show that 90% of what people have fear about never even actually happened. So imagine, you know, spending 90% of your life freaking out about things that never even happened. What a, what a waste of time. So this is where we are. We need bitachon. We need trust. So this is where, again, Rav Nachman says that when you are simple, you're going, to, you're going to come to great intelligence. The intelligence comes to you to the extent of your simplicity. But let's talk about, in his chapter, 
we spoke about what, what trauma does to a person if it's not handled correctly. Right? We, 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 we spoke about the, I believe, just a quick review of what it does. Let me see if I have it. Just a quick review of, of what we said. Trauma sets or separates us from our bodies. Trauma splits off from our gut feelings. Trauma limits our response flexibility. Trauma fosters a shame-based view of self. Trauma distorts our view. Trauma alienates us from the present moment, etc. So you can see there's, there's a, a lot of residual damage if, if trauma is not handled well. Again, we spoke about this many times. The job of life, evil exists in the world. Purpose of evil, according to the, the, most of the books on Kabbalah, it was a shattering of the vessels that allowed evil to exist. And our job is to overcome it, not to understand it. Remember that. My job is to overcome my challenges, not to understand them. The understanding will come to you after you develop the courage and you get the momentum. You will not get understanding in fight or flight mode. So this is where you really, really have to you know, go to a high, high level of consciousness. And the first thing we need to do is obviously we cannot fix the roof when it's raining. You have to recognize if there's an emotional storm, you have to wait for the storm to, to, to calm down. And that's another thing, we're very, very antsy sometimes, we want the answers right away. Who says, who says emotional, emotions are like, uh, are like Amazon? Who said that? Nobody promised you, because it's not about that. It's about the, 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 what, you, what you become. What, do you, what happens to you when you handle trauma well and you become resilient? It's not about what you get, it's about who you become. So this is another reason why this process is not going to be chick-chack, one, two, three. Very important. And we also have to believe that every answer in our life is there. Every solution is there. God wants you out of the trauma. God wants you to have post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic stress. But the solution is sometimes hidden from you until you, you open, you cry out and you develop a relationship with your creator. And then just like Hagar, the well showed up. Solutions show up when we let them in. The vehicle to let them in is our hearts. So he talks about Gabriel Mate, five compassions and then five tools that I think are, are really, really useful. Um, obviously his, his, his language is amazing. But the first one he says is you have, to have, you have to have compassion. Remember, compassion is not pity. Big difference. Pity means I feel sorry for you. Compassion means I feel you. I suffer, I'm suffering with you. I feel your pain. We're in this together. When we wake up for Hatzot, we don't say, I pity, Hashem, I pity you, Hashem, that you have this world and nobody's listening to you. Right? We don't do that. It's disrespectful. Nobody's listening to you, Hashem. You created the Torah. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening. Everybody's doing their thing. We don't, we don't, we don't, that's, that's pity. We don't want pity. We want compassion. Compassion means to suffer with. We're in this together. When, when, believe it or not, your creator is in the, in, like when he tells us in Egypt, Bo el paro, come to paro. I'm here with you. Come to paro. Come. I'm in the constriction with you. I'm, in, I'm with you in the suffering. 
So this is why we, when a person puts Hashem as a partner in his suffering, he gets double. He gets double because he, you feel the pain of the Shekhinah. It means a person should feel that his Creator can't give him. They should pain him that not only that he's not receiving, but that a Creator is not able to give. So that's where you have to first have compassion for yourself. And this is the first thing is having ordinary human compassion. The more I, I work on myself and the more I deal with my own issues in my life, the more compassion I have for other people not to judge them. Because I know it's hard work to get to focus today, to, to deal, you know, to have Shalom Bay today. It's tremendous amount of work that I never thought. I underestimated how much work I had to put in my life to, to really achieve happiness. I underestimated. I thought it's going to be, okay, how much work could it be? Until you really have a relationship and you recognize we're dealing with the children. Wow. Nobody, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't even know this was coming. But this is where you, we underestimated the amount of work that we have to go through, believe it or not. I think that's the answer. That's why we're so shocked. That's why we're so shocked and, and, and just dizzy because we underestimated the amount of work. Shalom Bay today, the amount of work you need to have Shalom Bay today. Unbelievable. Tremendous amount of work. If you're succeeding at it, nobody's succeeding at a marriage without tremendous amount of work. I promise you. If you're not putting any work, you're not succeeding because it's not made. It's made for you to really, really break yourself. Maybe I'm just alone in the universe, but I don't think so. So when I hear people's pain, I understand them. I don't judge them. You come to understand, okay, I hear you. I hear you. So this is another thing where you also have to have compassion for yourself. To understand that nobody has alam hazeh. Life is, life is tough. Life is not easy. Life is tough. And because of that, that is exactly what Rabbi Nachman wants. He wants you to start the day with, self, with your, having compassion. With your, having compassion for yourself. Thank you, God, for making me a Jew. Thank you, God, for letting me wake up. He wants you, even in the morning prayers, it's all about that building that compassion. Because if you don't love yourself, you're going, not going to invest in yourself. So that's why you need compassion, and you need compassion to identify between the act and the person. I did some stupid things, but I'm not a stupid person. I did some things that I shouldn't have done, but that doesn't identify me. Just like when you want to talk to a child, we don't tell him he's stupid. It's saying, you did a thing, you're better than this, but that's not who you are. So the same thing with us. That's not who I am. That's not, that's not the real me. That's not my real essence. You acted the wrong way, but you are not that person. We separate the person from the act. Separate you, your potential, from what's happening in your life. Very important, because when we start labeling ourselves, then we start getting, we fall, in, we fall into very dark spaces, and then all we want is self-pity. So remember, extreme, very important. The importance, there was a story about Rabbi Nachman, the exchanged children, that one kid was a pauper, and one kid was a king of the sun. And they got exchanged. Basically, the whole story is about recognizing he's the son of a king. Even though he's acting like a pauper, he's still the son of a king. You still have to recognize, I'm still the son of a king. I'm still the son of a king, and I can change. I'm not a tree. But that's where the compassion begins. The fuel has to begin, not saying, I'm this, I'm labeled as this. You know, today, so many people, God forbid, they get mislabeled, or misdiagnosed, and they have a label. Next thing you know, that's their identity their whole life. It's a shame. 
How do you know the doctor didn't make a mistake? Especially when God believes you can change everything. Some people say, you know, yesterday I was on Instagram live. You know, somebody writes me, you know, I've been heartbroken for 30 years. 30 years is a long time. A year? Six months? You're only allowed to mourn one year. That's it. You're not allowed to mourn more than that. that the rest of it is self, self-infliction. Torah is giving you specific timelines. You can mourn for a year. You're not allowed to mourn after that. Because there's a time where you have to move on. So that's the number one compassion you have, compassion for yourself. And that's what Rabbi Nachman constantly speaks about and the concept of a zamra. I will sing. I will sing with what I got. And because I'm going to sing with what I got, my focus is going to change and I'm going to continue to get momentum in my life by taking small actions to get there. Number two, compassion for curiosity and understanding. That's his language. My language is, is recognizing that everything ha- happens for a reason. The Hebrew word for this is compassion for hashkacha prati, that everything is coming from Hashem. Everything's happening for you. So he uses the word curiosity and understanding. Sounds like hashkacha prati. Be curious. Maybe this is happening for your benefit. Maybe this is meant. Like Tony, like Tony Robbins says, my worst day became my best day. Be curious of what's happening instead of attachment to what's happening. Curiosity is non-judgmental. Maybe this is for the best. Maybe I have a, a, a tough wife because she wants to get me to the right place. Maybe that's what I need in life. Maybe I need this partner in my life so I can have more compassion. Maybe I need this partner in life so you know, I can get closer to God. Compassion for curiosity and understanding. Not, it's bad, it's good. You know, today we're so quickly to label things. Bad, good, great, terrible. Stop labeling. Be curious and have understanding. And that is the willingness to, to leap forward and see how when you start having curiosity and understanding, you're dealing with difficult people, you can understand them. Okay, what about that person? Why is that person acting that way? Maybe there's something I need to help him with. Instead of, oh, this guy's bad, this guy's good. Like I said many times, the more you come to understanding, the less judgment you will have. More understanding, less judgment. That's the formula. And when you, and you judge less, you become a co-creator. But otherwise, we don't have that. So if you have to have compassion for curiosity and understanding. Get curious of why things are happening instead of just a knee-jerk reaction of bad, good, why would God do this to me? Ba ba ba. Why, why, why? What, what, what does my Creator want versus why is this happening? That is, that, is, that is curiosity and understanding. Number three. So this is as a, as a person going through trauma. He went through the trauma. They have to ask that. What, what in me has to change? What in me? How do I get out of this victim mindset and get into a co-creator mindset? How do I get out of the why me mindset? How do I get out of the self-pity and start getting into the self-compassion? Number three, compassion of recognition. And he gives an example here of a specific person who was a, was a, a surgeon and the surgeon was a functioning addict. And he was, and un, until he got caught 
by the FDA and raided his whole facility and, and arrested him, he would have never recognized he had a problem of things he was running away from. So you have to have compassion, like I was visiting somebody that was on house arrest. Until it had to be a house arrest to force him to be home so he could finally be with his children and his wife and be a normal person, not just be a successful businessman all day long, 24 hours work. So to recognize it had to be that way. God forced you to be home. God forced you to be here. COVID is a great example. God forced us to be home to reconnect with our children or reconnect in, internally. Compassion for recognition. So to recognize that whatever, whatever's happening, it's happening exactly the way it's supposed to happen by our Creator. That is called what? Chachma. Finding the wisdom in everything. Finding the wisdom that's exactly, this relationship had to end exactly like this. And this is why our Creator shows us the same test over and over. So that's called compassion for recognition, which is called, our, which our modern version is recognizing that God runs the world and He shows you examples exactly the way you need to see them based on exactly what you need. That's the Chachmah. That's our job is to find the Chachmah in everything and we connect to the light in everything versus Asaf, give me, give it to me. It doesn't recognize anything. Asaf is, is, is just gratification. We're supposed to stop. Let me find the lesson in this situation. The, the lesson is the Chachmah, the recognition. I'm recognizing compassion for recognizing. That is what our job is. See, the difference is you're just not, when you stop, you're taking yourself out of the picture. You're not attached. Number four, compassion for the truth. We may believe that an act of kindness to protect people experience pain. Well, if I don't connect to the truth, if I, for example, if I stay in my childhood trauma forever, all it's going to do is basically put me in a spiral of denial, suppression, repression, rationalization, justification, hazy memory. So basically any time, which I say this all the time, from David Lieberman's book, it's never too, no, this is one of his chapters in his book. It's never too happy to have a happy childhood. It's never too late to have a happy childhood. That is the truth. That is the truth. Because remember, when things are not going for us, we blame our parents for everything going wrong. And it's just an easy, it's an easy scapegoat. It's an easy rationalization. I could sell it. I can get enough juice for it. I can get enough pity. Because remember, sometimes we're addicted to pity. Or I can blame my ex-wife for ruining my life. How many times do you hear this? My husband ruined my life. Really? How did he ruin your life? Did he push you off a bridge? Nobody can ruin your life. If you give them energy, they'll ruin your life. Nobody can get you angry. That's the truth. That's really the truth. That's why the truth really hurts. Nobody wants to deal with it. It's too tough. Especially in, in a culture today where anything that's too sensitive, oh, no, cancel them, cancel them. Every, we can't handle sensitivity today. Sensitivity is basically saying I have a big ego in a nice way. Because what do you, at the end of the day, you need to grow. What do you care what people say? Let, learn from it. Learn what bothers you from what they say. Versus, I'm too sensitive, I can't hear this right now. Not easy, but that's not the truth. That's not the truth. 
And that's what you need to recognize. You need to have compassion for the truth itself. Because if you're coming up with a story, these stories don't work. Divorce the story and marry the truth. So that's compassion. That's getting to the MS. And the five, compassion for possibility. What that means is practically you have to have hope that things can change in a blink of an eye. That salvation can come in a blink of an eye. All you need to put is put yourself in a position to change. But I think if I have, unfortunately, if I think the past is going to look like the future, then I'm looking at the past, the future, exactly the same way as the past. And I pray, I pray for people. I know what, I know what it is to be stuck. It's not easy. I know what it is. It feels like you're there permanently. Trauma makes you feel like you're there for life. But it's not the case. You have to just get little wins and get momentum and revisit the situation afterwards. But first you have to do, you have to be honest. You have to recognize it's not a permanent situation. It's not a permanent problem. You have to be honest with yourself, right? You know, you have to, you have to, you have, to have curiosity and understanding and all of these things. So that's, that's where he says, which I really, really like that. That's the, that's the main compassion you have to have. Now, now what are the, some of the steps? Now, once you develop that compassion, now he says now you, there's five steps to deal with anything in life as far as, um, C, which is a, a, very similar to CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. When you change the meaning, you change the feeling. And he says, healing cannot occur if we don't accept our worthiness. We are worth healing and even if you're doing whatever it takes to shake up your world, you are worth the healing. So that's very, very important. You are worth the healing. Again, same concept that we speak about. I am worth being healed. I am worth it. I'm here in this world to be healed. I'm, worth, I'm worthy of love. If, it's not, if I'm not getting love for one relationship, either you fix it or you move on. But you are worthy of love. You're worthy to be happy. You're worthy of this. Some people say, I'm not worthy of this. You hear this phone call. Sometimes you hear, I don't believe I'm worthy of this. This is just, this is story. Who says that? We all, are, we all are worthy of this. When we download our perceptions and beliefs about lives before we acquired the capacity for critical thinking as children, those perceptions and misperceptions mis, mis, mis become our truth. And that's not really the reality. This is why it's very, very important. So the number one thing you have to do, what he's saying here, is to relabel. The first step in, in self-limiting thoughts is a thought or belief. For example, I seem to be believing that I'm responsible for everybody's feelings. Or I'm having a thought to be strong. Or I'm acting like this. The first thing you need to do is have conscious awareness that you are, not, you are the voice behind the thought. You're just having the thought. You are the voice behind the thought. You are not the thought. So you can relabel saying... Like I believe in the Chinese pro- proverbs, they say, darkness is coming over me. I am not darkness. Darkness is coming over me. I see a black cloud coming to me. I am not the black cloud. That means being more, less attached and more experience the experience. I call it like I always tell you, when, when the afternoon comes and the energy is depleted, I feel the tzimtzum. I feel the energy of the day coming to an end. A new day is coming. You name it to label it. It's not 
I can't focus. I used to say, I can't focus. I have no energy. I have no strength. No, there's an energy that has to come. And it's going to come. And it has to come. And just let it. Don't resist it. Do as much as you can. So relabel it. Relabel the negative energy. Relabel it. Relabel my relationship is a problem versus I have a problem in my relationship. Mazel tov. You're not the only person that has a problem in their relationship. Everybody who's alive has a problem in their relationship that ends up becoming an opportunity. But when you say, my relationship is a problem. Big difference. See the difference? That's the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah just wants you to throw in the towel and just label it. You've, you forget the, who you are. Relabel it. A cloud is coming over me. A darkness is coming over me. I feel a sense of fatigue versus I'm tired. I'm feeling fatigue coming. I'm not fatigued. I'm feeling the fatigue. Because you can take a coffee and the fatigue is gone. So don't label yourself. You have to be very mindful. But once you get to understand, Rabbi Nachman tells us something very, very deep. You cannot have two thoughts at the same time. Impossible. Impossible. So the reason why we are not getting clarity in our lives is because we're not focused. Because if I tell you focus on this, this is going to improve your energy. If I told you, listen, focus on your husband's strengths and how good he is, and you're going to feel, think completely different about him, but if I tell you to focus on his, all the things he's not doing for you, you're going to feel terrible. It's your focus is off. And your focus becomes your Reality. There you go. So if we don't identify ourselves with feeling fatigue, I'm not the fatigue. Relabel it. Very, 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 very important. I can relabel my childhood saying my, my, I was, my, my mother was, came from Colombia. She was single, divorced, stressed out, trying to survive. Okay, so she didn't take me to the baseball game every day. She didn't give me the emotional support I needed. I'm just giving you an example. See that you relabel the story? I never got enough love. That's one story. Why? Because you're not worthy. Or I could say, my parent was not able to give love because they were limited. So relabeling. You got to relabel things today. If it's not working for you, you have to relabel it. Number two, reattribute. Reattribute. And, and the classic case of relabeling a story, the classic case is Yosef Atzadik. I was not sold here, I was sent here. Classic, classic case. I'm not a victim, it was all meant to be. Classic case. Number two, reattribute. In this step, we learn to assign the relabeled belief to its proper source. So where is this thought coming from? This is my brain sending me an old familiar message. For example, I've told you guys many times, if you have a tape recorder and you keep on playing the same, remember, 80, 60, 70,000 thoughts a day come from your subconscious. So for you to get, if you have been hesitating to work out, let's say, for the past seven years, and when you get to the gym, 
and you start saying, I'm going to be tired, don't be shocked. <laughs> because the tape recorder only replays exactly what you tell it. So what your job is not to listen to the tape recorder. It's an old tape recorder. Your job is to re-record. Today, I'm going to have strength. Re-record. We, we can't have the opposite. Because if we think you're listening to the tape recorder, where do you think that's, where, where is it coming from? How are you going to get a positive thought? So this is why it's very important to read books, listen to classes, because it gets you out of the subconscious, it gets you into the conscious mind, and it now changes new information. New information creates new thinking. It's very important. Don't stand in the sidelines waiting for the thoughts to change. And you see some people just sit there and just expecting an umbrella of a good thought to come. It doesn't come. Because it's only going to play what it's been told. Do you understand why we have to have so much pattern interruption today? Because you have to break the pattern. We got into a bad pattern, we have to break the pattern. I did this one time 10 years ago. With, I, I, I was so exhausted. Every single time a certain hour came, and it's pretty much it's like my, my secretaries. They could have, let's say, we, let's say we bring in breakfast, like at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock, and for somebody you know, leaving or, or whatever, celebrating something. They just ate, okay, at 10.30. 12 o'clock, oh, lunchtime. What do you mean lunchtime? You just, you just ate a whole buffet. How could 12 o'clock be lunchtime? Because their mind is telling them 12 o'clock, no matter what, I'm full or not, hungry or not, I'm, I'm eating. You know what David Lieberman, not David Lieberman, David Hawkins says the best way to lose weight is eat when you are, eat food, only eat food when you're not hungry. Because when you're hungry, you have a habit of overeating and it's a pattern of emotional eating, but when you eat, only eat when you're not hungry. When you're, when you're not hungry, because then you'll eat less and you won't go into desperation mode. There's a whole chapter how it really psych the brain out by eating only when it's, when, it's, when, it's, when it's regular, not when it's hungry. Don't ever eat when it's hungry. I don't know who does that, but it makes sense because all you're doing is what? Breaking the pattern. of Because when you're hungry, you have very low willpower and you're going to cave in for the wrong foods. But when you're, when you're not hungry, you'll eat less and you're not going to have the willpower problem. I thought that was genius. And it, it, it worked. I mean, I don't have an issue with weight, but if this is an issue, try it. Only eat, with your, only eat when you're not hungry. And don't eat when you're hungry. And you'll see the difference. That's re- recognizing it's just, a, just like a craving came over me. But I'm not a craving. We get cravings and they go away. So re-attribute. Re-attribute means... This is my brain sending me old familiar messages rather than blaming yourself or somebody else. Right? I feel bad. I feel, I'm angry. Let's say my brain's sending me an angry message. What does a rational brain say? Okay, well, why am I feeling angry? And who am I blaming for feeling angry? Right? Now, what does that, those two things do? That causes more resistance, which causes more suffering. But if you just say, my brain is sending me an angry, angry, an, an angry it's the Yetzirah is sending me a negative thought. It's just my ego. 
you're not the person. And Rav Nachman said this all the time, that God sends us, God purposely sends us negative thoughts on purpose. And if we overcome these thoughts, we get, he gets, God takes great pleasure from the fact that we didn't cave into those thoughts. Great pleasure. It gives God great pleasure when we overcome our negative thinking and we choose positive over negative, which is ultimately what we're here to do is free will. But first, I have to identify myself that somebody's playing games with me versus I'm the one playing, I'm the one, you know, destroying myself. You have to recognize who's the one playing, the, who's the one putting the thoughts in your head. And, and you can see this all the time just by the amount of resistance that we get when we need to do something the right. The Yetzirah comes at you with every, everything. You're tired, you're hungry, you're exhausted, it's not going to work. <laughs> I mean, he's got the whole... We used to have, in the retail days, when we used to work with my, my uncle's electronic stores, top 20 excuses why a customer is not buying. That means if he didn't buy... He's not coming back. You don't sell him on the first shot. He's not coming back. So we had top 20 excuses. My wife's on the cruise. My wife's in the cruise. Uh, I'm waiting for the currency exchange. I need to get the... It, they, they literally, it was the same excuse. Pretty much. We, I, I learned so much from it. Believe it or not, I hate to tell you, I learned more from working at electronic stores uh, between um, 11 to 16 than I learned in my four-year degree in college. I hate to tell it to you. Human nature is, when they don't want to do something, excuse, excuse. But you are not that person. You are not a lazy person. You are having lazy thoughts because we have a habit of procrastination. We are not worriers. We have a habit of worrying. And if you have, have that habit, it's going to come out again, over and over again. This is why the importance of breaking, breaking patterns of thinking. But first you have to identify that. And that's why I, lo- I really, really love to constantly, and I do this at the gym, hold my breath between sets. Hold my breath. Because when you hold your breath, you're, you, you're in the moment. You cannot be thinking about something else if you hold your breath. Try it. Try going underneath the pool, and, and I promise you, you're going to be present. Impossible not to be present. When you hold your breath, you're present. You're in the moment. So I hold my breath. It's, it's too much. Ref- hold my breath. So that's another great tool um, to reattribute. Reattribute. Who's who's giving you this, these negative thoughts? It's the Yitzhahara. It's the Yitzhahara. You know how many times I, I I have that phone call. Two people are about to get married, and next thing you know, they're ready to walk down the aisle. Next thing you know, everything goes south. Who's causing that? All of a sudden, six months, everything's good. Next thing you know, in, in one week, the whole world came to no, nothing. It's the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah wants you not to get married. Just the same idea we said the other day. Before Parnassah comes to a person, he gets tested with anger. Is he an angry person? No. The Yetzirah wants to ruin the money. So the Yetzirah has jurisdiction to play around with your head. So that's what you need to understand. Who is, who is, what voice are you hearing? And if the voice is telling you to do good things, it's the Yetzir Tov. If the voice is telling you to do not good things, it's the Yetzir Hara. That simple. That simple. But you have to be present to understand who's doing the talking. 
Refocus, number three. This is one about buying yourself a little time. Right? Very, very good idea. So when you're dealing with situations in life, sometimes you have to buy time. A great way to say this, if you're having an anxious thought, so you're having a lot of anxiety, what do you say? Come back at six o'clock. I'll deal with you at six o'clock. Six o'clock, we can talk about all the anxiety from six to 6.15. Just like when you have somebody you don't want to deal with, what do you tell them? Call me tomorrow. Right? Call me, to- <laughs> Call me next week. Don't take any offense by people I, t- I say this to. I'm just giving you an example. I really am busy. Call me next week. Or if you really don't like them, call them in a month. You don't invite them and, and call, answer their call right away. So what are you doing that to yourself? What are you inviting? You're inviting negativity. So you got you to be able to buy yourself time. I do, I do this all the time. Buy yourself time. Right now, will you ever win an argument? No, not possible. When is the last time you won an argument with your spouse? Ask yourself. It's called never, because you can't win an argument. You lost already. If you're in an argument, you already lost. What do you need to do? You need to buy some time. This is a shell and buy trick. Take three, four hours, go to dinner, can I get you a glass of wine? Then revisit that issue. Revisit the issue. Timing is everything. Same thing with yourself. You're not, you're not having good thoughts. Buy yourself some time. It's not the time to take action. Because what happens when you, when you get into a bad place? That's the time you're grabbing for the escape. That's the time you're grabbing for the, for the drugs, the marijuana, the weed, whatever you're grabbing at that moment, you're going to grab it. Because you just want to get out of your head. Do the opposite. Buy yourself some time. Change the pattern. Number four, revalue. Here, take, a, take your stock and get real. Up till now, the self-rejecting belief that, you've, that, you're, that you're dealing with, you have to ask yourself, what has this belief done for me? Has it left me ashamed and isolated? Has it produced bitterness? Has it stopped me from pursuing my dreams? Risk, etc. What is this belief doing for me? Get enough leverage, revalue it, and ask yourself, what are you getting out of this? Maybe you're getting a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, maybe you're, you don't have to do anything. It's keeping you in fear so you, you can protect yourself. Maybe you're getting a lot of self-pity, a lot of attention. Practically, why do kids, all of a sudden, why do kids do stupid things? To get attention. Adults, sometimes, we do stupid things to get attention. Who are you getting attention from? So you have to reevaluate and ask yourself, what are you doing, etc., with this. And the last one is recreate. Recreating means going back to after you've relabeled, reattributed, refocused, and revalued, and you start releasing these patterns by creating new patterns, then you could start recreate, recreating. And it's funny how the word creation, recreation as in play, become the inner child. Go back to the inner child. Go back to that inner child. Recreation. Like, what do you do with kids with it? Recreation. They play. Go back to the youthful you that wasn't, you know, didn't have years and years of trauma. Again, this also helps with EMDR therapy. It helps with his bodhidut. But this is, if you're dealing with self-believing, at least, I think these 10 steps 
you know, whether the, having the compassion or the recreating, relabeling can help you identify which thought you are, it is. Hashem help us all that we should all take this advice and apply it. Have a great day.